and welcome to Gardens for Good Causes, a podcast brought to you by the Project Giving Back team and community. We're a philanthropic organisation that specifically funds gardens for charities at the world-renowned RHS Chelsea Flower Show. We believe that granting an organisation an opportunity like this, one that comes with huge potential for media coverage and engagement with audiences old and new, is a great way to support charities in the UK. After the show, which takes place in May every year, PGB-funded gardens are relocated to permanent sites across the UK, like hospitals, community gardens, parks, schools or learning hubs. And this is where they really take root and make a lasting impact. You can subscribe, follow along and join us on each episode as we learn more about the causes that inspire the gardens and talk to the charities and communities to whom the gardens will make a meaningful difference. I'm Hattie Gowie, CEO of Project Giving Back, and this week I'm joined by Tom Steele, Director of Estates and Facilities at NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde. And then later on, I'll be chatting with Ruth Gervin, Chair of Teapot Trust, who, with her family, has experienced firsthand the benefits of art therapy. Um, So, Tom, hello. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm very good. It's a nice sunny day here in Glasgow. Ah, oh, awesome. That's uh, that's great to hear. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, actually, it's not very sunny in London. Maybe I need to come up to Glasgow with you. Yeah. Um, Tom, I really would just love to hear a little bit more about your role um, and your journey with NHS Scotland to kick it on. Am, am I writing in thinking? Am I right in thinking it's about 30 years that you've been with, with the organisation? Um, actually, a bit more than that. I joined the NHS in 1986. So, um, my whole career actually um joined as uh, a 20 year old and um can't believe i'm still here or where the years have gone to be honest but uh, it's been a wonderful uh organization to work for uh, it's been incredibly um beneficial to me in my career and developing my career uh educationally experientially uh to, to get to the point where i am today in greater glasgow and clyde um, I've worked at a number of different health boards in Scotland and worked at uh, in a national agency as well. So I, I've had quite a varied career in healthcare infrastructure and acute care, primary care and mental health. Amazing. And and what does your role sort of, what does the day-to-day entail? What what, what do you what do you cover basically? It seems like quite a lot. So my job title is Director of Estates and Facilities and um, that that is essentially looking after support services portfolio for the organisation. So um, most things that are non-clinical, with the exception of other corporate functions such as finance, HR and e-health. So I have, uh, within the team here in Glasgow, there's about 5,500 staff employed in support services in, in my directorate. And those staff... Um, range from all our domestic services staff, portering staff, gardens, transport, procurement, um, our hands-on trade staff um, who who maintain all our properties. And we have teams who are procuring new buildings or managing our asset base. And uh, what else do we have in the directorate? corporate-wide procurement service sits under my portfolio. So 
the, the numbers of staff ebb and flow, but at the moment we're in excess of 5,000. Wow, that's an in incredible number of people to, to be pulling together and, and, and working together. It's um and, and specifically with the Teapot Trust Elsewhere Garden, I know it's going to the Royal Hospital for Children in Glasgow. Can can you tell me a little bit more about, about that location and, and, and sort of how the connection with Teapot Trust came to be? So maybe start with the, the connection first and, and uh the, these can in, in my experience, um, really novel uh, projects are born out of, of they're serendipitous sometimes. The timing of them is just right for people generally to make positive connections. So we, we were approached by the Teapot Trust um, about how receptive we or otherwise we would be to being a beneficiary of, of, of a garden. Um, that came at the, the same time, um, post-COP26 here in Glasgow, a, a real um, desire at a health board level and at a government level of really stretched targets associated with a, um, net zero ambition. But moreover, um, like everyone else on, on the back of the pandemic, there was a, an absolute start realization about the importance of just being able to get outside if uh, whether you're um, a member of staff a visitor or if you're a patient who can leave the hospital if you were indoors for sustained periods of time wearing masks then that is really really challenging um, so the need to create high quality external therapeutic space for everyone to use actually was under under a spotlight um that the the pandemic really shone a torch and the opportunity that, that that could bring um so we were already looking at in particular the queen elizabeth and the royal hospital for children campus and had started doing some uh high level feasibility site master planning about improving green space biodiversity and we were approached by the teapot trust how receptive would, would we be to um, receiving the garden um, and answer absolutely with open arms we can easily incorporate this garden into a wider aspiration for the site um, and that is exactly what's happened um, the royal hospital for children uh, is uh, a national center for um, scotland for many um, complex uh, pediatric services it's also a local children's hospital and it's a regional children's hospital um, and it's it's one of the largest uh, children's hospitals in the UK. Um, so to, to provide um, the opportunity for additional high quality space for uh, patients, their families and, and staff it is a real um, godsend to us, quite frankly. And uh, we are uh, really enthusiastic. In fact, I was talking to, to colleagues this morning uh, very early this morning about the programme and the timescales for, for actually doing that. Uh, and it will come at a time this calendar year, uh, which of course is the 75th anniversary of, of uh, the NHS being formed. So we, in my mind, planning mind, I'm thinking, well, it'd be great if we could combine the two uh, celebratory events. So we, we were just discussing how, how that may or may not be accommodated. But essentially, um, 
the 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 garden when it comes to us we've collaborated with um our own endowments committee within the health board to support uh some capital uh funds we're collaborating with the glasgow children's hospital charity we've got a very large charity that that um give us great support and there'll be other areas of uh, philanthropy that we will seek to um engage with um once the scale of, of this project becomes apparent yeah i mean that's that's amazing isn't it it's it's sort of um listening to you talk about how it fits into the to the wider it makes me I've, I've got a question to you about you know it's not just like you can say yeah sure we'll we'll have a garden i mean there must be so signing up and thinking that you have to do about you know how it's going to be maintained when does it open what what's sort of been the the factors that you've been considering to so you can make sure it's as a bigger success as possible so, so first and foremost in in uh in my thoughts and as part of the design evolution which is why i was really keen that um this garden designers collaborated with our um landscape architecture um consultancy who are doing the wider site plan i wanted it to look seamless i didn't want it to look like it had been bolted on or an afterthought um if we are receiving um you know high quality specimen um plants trees etc then they inevitably they will need looked after um again we're in a really strong position there we've got our own on-site maintenance teams we've got some specialist third party um horticultural uh, support on campus but moreover actually we've got a large number of volunteers uh who work on the site and uh, not quite a waiting list for uh being able to volunteer on site but so we've got lots and lots of resource available to us so when the garden lands um it will be not it won't need any tlc but it, it will have hands on eyes on every day um, yeah and, and probably for you as well just you know seeing those volunteers come together but also seeing staff families you know using the space you said earlier that it's it's going to be a bit of a godsend but i'd love to hear a little bit more about how you you know what it will mean to the families to staff sort of how do you anticipate people making the most out of the space um by having uh the the garden or that whole area is um going for a, a bit of a refresh and and bespoke design so we want to create spaces that will allow small intimate personal discussions to happen with families or our friends we also want to create spaces where if staff are out on a break, for example, if there's two or three or four or however more staff, you can sit comfortably, talk, um, you know, eat outside when, when the weather avails. So so having a space that's multifunctional, um, we've also got a desire to create, um, I was going to say a, a man cave, but it'll be a children's cave. Uh, within this design that we're going to use um, for for the children to go out and do some art therapy within a fairly simple, um, probably timber structure uh, that you know even even if it's raining we can get kids outside. They're indoors, um, hopefully simulating perhaps their their, their 
back garden, back home. Um, so having a range of spaces, uh, scalable spaces, uh, will be really important. It, it's a very large site, the Queen Elizabeth campus, and sometimes the scale of it can be quite overwhelming. So we are, we are trying to dumb down that scale and create kind of smaller intimate spaces that, that patients, families, staff can can access. Amazing, yeah. Creating those sort of dens and, and sanctuary spaces will be amazing. And yeah, I can't wait to see it when it's in its final final spot. And I, you know, you've you've really taken us on such a journey and, and brought that relocation to, to life. Thank you. So I'm now going to be chatting with Ruth Gervan, Chair of Teapot Trust, who with her family has experienced firsthand the benefits of art therapy. Ruth, huge welcome to our Garden for Good Causes podcast. It's great to have you. How are you doing? Really well. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to our conversation. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think somewhere I'd love to start is just if you could tell us a bit more about your your role and your journey with Teapot Trust. Um, well, my current role is twofold, really. Um, one, as a user, a mum of a child who um, has used art therapy with um, Teapot Trust. And the other role that I have is as chair of the charity. Um, so two roles, really, um, in, in, in the work that we do. So I came to Teapot Trust through, well, stumbled across it, to be completely frank, in terms of at a time of my daughter's diagnosis, um, being a little bit lost into how to help her navigate through her diagnosis of juvenile arthritis um, and all the treatment she was going through. But the art therapy that I found through Teapot Trust and Neve was able to experience was really, truly life-changing for her and us as a family. And so that's how I got introduced to Teapot Trust um, and then moved on to be on the board um, and then the founder um, wanted to step away from the charity, so asked me to step up as chair. And so I'm proudly now chair of the charity as well, which is really exciting. That's incredible. And, and yeah, you must bring such a, yeah, such a real and valuable perspective, um, having experienced that. And, and how many years have you been um, sort of using art therapy as a, as a family and, and for your daughter? probably coming up to three years now really um, and the thing is the journey with art therapy changes and the beauty of art therapy is actually now Neve can choose herself just to go and get whatever um, art um, she wants to get out and use it to process through how she's feeling on a day-to-day -day basis um, so probably three years of a journey and it started very much probably like most people, I had no idea what art therapy was all about. Um, but experiencing it side by side with Neve, with the art therapist, because we were in lockdown at the, at, at the time, so it was um, over a screen. But watching um, the wonderful art therapist, Erin was our art therapist, and she navigated Neve very, very gently from hiding under the table to then coming out of a shell and choosing whatever art she wanted to do and the skill that Erin had to get Neve to feel safe and find the words through the art to be able to voice what it was she was feeling and experiencing and now as I said Neve will now make the choice 
to dip into all the skills that she used by learning through with art therapy with Erin and she will just use that on a daily basis as and when she needs it. Incredible um, and and yeah I was actually going to ask you about sort of what what would you as a as a mum say are the main benefits I mean you've talked about sort of Neve's, Neve's ability to sort of communicate more there but what what are the main benefits you've seen as a family and as a mum? Um, well, I think there are so many, so I'll try not, because I could talk about this for hours. Um, but for for us, um, we, and this is often the case with something um, like a chronic, particularly an invisible illness such as juvenile arthritis, the process to which you get to before you are diagnosed is, is quite long and quite bumpy. And then all of a sudden, overnight, your child and you as a family are thrown into big decisions around what medications, what operations, and then a whole cycle of multiple and regular hospital visits, all of which is unsettling for not only the child or young person going through that diagnosis and experience, but also the family and the friendship groups around. Um, and with art therapy, we, we were lost. I don't mind admitting it was it was difficult with for me as a mum supporting Neve through that. I didn't know much about JIA. I didn't know how to help Neve. Um, the most traumatic experience, which I hear quite a lot of a child who goes through a similar experience as Neve, is you have to physically restrain your child. And for us, it was taking three adults to physically restrain her in order that they could take her monthly blood draw safely. And no, no adult wants to do that. No parent wants to do that. But what art therapy allowed us to do at that point where we were all completely lost um, is have somebody, and for us, it was Erin, calmly come almost into our family and safely help Neve find the words to understand what was going on with her body um, and feel safe to bridge that gap between being okay to talk about the pain and the trauma and the upset and the fear, but mm. in a beautiful space of art and drawing and safety. Yeah. And and how Erin navigated that was just really, really, it was really life changing for Neve because she could then actually start to feel okay to talk about what she was going through and find the words for that with Erin gently nudging her along. Yeah. And Erin, um, just so, you know, for any listeners, I mean, she's a teapot trust. Um, a sort Art of therapist, a... yes. And, and, um, you know how many therapists or, or sort of I suppose to talk a little bit about teapot trust and with your chair hat on you know what's the goal with teapot trust and 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 how do the therapists you know play a part in families and the goal for us um is is the single most important thing for me and that passion that um art therapy is available to everybody there are no barriers to entry with art therapy it's free for people to access but it's just a case of making people aware that we are there and aware that that's something that can support families that are going through this I like I said I stumbled across it but um I'm really passionate about nobody else having to stumble across it that they have any young person that's diagnosed with a chronic invisible illness is aware of and can access the transformative power of art therapy. And that's 
what 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 our goal is um and chelsea and the garden there will give us that platform to be able to increase awareness and in essence achieve that goal yeah i was just about to say i mean i suppose you know <clears throat> having a garden for the teapot trust at the at the rhs chelsea flower show i mean in terms of spreading awareness that that must be quite exciting for you as a charity it it truly is i mean I don't want anybody else to have to stumble across it. I want it to be out there. Um, Chelsea will allow us to increase awareness so that people can know about us and the importance and the transformative nature of art therapy. But equally, then it will allow us to grow and maybe do more research. There's so much more that we want to do and learn about art therapy and how and who it can help. Um, so I see it in terms of awareness, a platform and awareness, an opportunity for growth. Um, and I know we'll probably come on to it being relocated to Glasgow, but that permanency there as well in terms of that asset of having the garden relocated to, to, to Glasgow is, is also equally exciting. Yeah, I was just going to ask, because, you know, you mentioned at the beginning there of, you know, the multiple hospital visits and just as a family having to spend so much time in hospital. I mean, what was garden space? You know, what was it like when you were doing that? And, and what would it have meant to have had a garden like like this one that's going to Glasgow? Um, it, it's hard to put into words just the difference between our experience and what the experience will be through Glasgow. I mean, I stood in the space, it's nothing there yet in terms of what the garden will be, but almost brought me to tears because my experience with Neve is that um, hospitals are so clinical, they need to be clear. There's no, there's nothing soft, there's nothing nature bound or anything like that. And Neve's very like me, she loves to be in nature. And she was always looking out the window. She just wanted to be out of that clinical hospital bed. So I think it's having this, being relocated to Glasgow will help not only the child, but also the families. So a, a strong experience for me was Neve really didn't like being put under general anaesthetic. So I would go down with her into the room to, to be put under. Um, I'm not sure if that's the technical word, but that's how I refer to it. Um, but you, as a as a mum, you have to hold it together in front of your child to show that 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 they're okay, that you're with them until they've gone under. And I literally then would just burst out the doors. Neve's treated in Leeds, mm -hmm. and burst out the doors. And there is a beautiful garden in Leeds, but it's about a mile and a half walk away. And so I burst out the doors, knew my route, jogged to the garden just to be in that space, and walked around it. I don't mind admitting having a little cry, um, walk around that garden in that space so I could sort of recollect myself before I would go and get Neve. And at Leeds, there isn't really much space either for me when Neve is in hospital to be able to pick her up and take her outdoors or put her in a wheelchair and take her outdoors. And I think that asset there in terms of when a child and a family is supporting the child through treatment or even regular visits, being able to do that in a beautiful space that will be there up in Glasgow. I think it, I, I could get emotional talking about it. I'm so excited about that as well. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I, I can I can only imagine just what that green space must do. I think just stepping out into nature can just really help, I don't know, calm. It, there's something about nature that just really 
re helps helps you reset. So I'm I'm so happy it's going up to Glasgow. It'd be amazing for families. Um, I, I sort of want to talk a little bit. It, it's such an interesting one, you know, that you've gone through this as a mum and as a family, but also you're the chair of trustees and and driving that for the charity as well. And obviously this, you know, this this opportunity of having a garden at Chelsea has been on the cards for about a year now. And when you're thinking about how to make the most of it or make it a success, what have been the factors you've considered as a team and and how long have you sort of been thinking about this? I mean, it's it's a dream come true for a charity of our size. Um, there's no there's no disputing that at all. I think the platform that it provides, but there's a very strong role that I have to play in terms of balancing the excitement and the opportunity um, that that it will bring along making sure we're keeping on track on what it is we want to achieve of a charity as well because there really is an opportunity for this to, to be all consuming um, it's a huge undertaking to have a garden at Chelsea um, and everybody wants a part of it so it's, it's, it's a very it's a tight line to navigate. So yes, it's been a very long, very long journey to get to here. So important things for me, um, I mean, how lucky we are to be working with Susan and Nicola um, of Sample Beg. I know it was on their bucket list to have a garden in Chelsea and for them to choose Teapot Trust as, as the charity to do that with, I just, Every time, every moment I spend with them, I'm I'm so I feel so grateful that we're working with those guys. Um, other things that are on my mind is, um, are we achieving our goals through this? How best can we achieve our goals around increasing awareness and growth? Mm. Um, responsibly use the decisions that we take around anybody we partner with on this. It's important to me that it supports all our core principles on. Um, D&I and sustainability so we need to make sure that all our decisions on people that we partner with share those values and principles um, staying on message yeah sticking back to what it is we do it, we're there for supporting children's and their families who have chronic long-term invisible illness so that's what we need to stay true to and the other thing that's massively important to me is the Teapot Trust has an awesome team, um, but it's a small team and I've got a very close eye on making sure that that team enters Chelsea in a good place because, like I say, this can grow arms and legs and there's a lot for very few people to do. So I've always got that on the back of my mind as well. Yeah, you're so right. You know, it's <clears throat> yes, it's a big deal, but it's really you know just one small part of the amazing things that your charity does and and yeah you don't want it to sort of take over but you know also um you know balancing it with everything i think that's amazing well i mean we were at project giving back we're so excited to see the the sort of magical wonderland that that some are creating um, i can't wait <laughs> um, it's so fantastic to to chat with you ruth and, and the sort of the the I guess closing question I'd love to end on is just, um, you know, personally, what does gardening and the outdoors mean for you? What are you excited um, to, to see in the garden? Um, oh, so many bits about it. But gardening, um, I literally bought this house that we, we've lived in now based on the garden. Um, I, I my brought up in a play with a family where my dad um, 
started with a blank farmer's field and we built it into nature zones. We built a Japanese garden. So gardening for me is from one end of being paid two pence a barrow to barrow things like chicken manure down the garden for my dad while we made the garden into the beauty of when those bulbs come out in spring, which always brings me goosebumps. So I'm excited about gardening. Nature, as I said, is how I cope with the world. <laughs> I know nothing better than to swim in open water, um, particularly in the Lake District or in Scotland. Um, and then this garden, what I am so excited about is, is I can't wait to see it, but the fact that Semplebeg have managed to create that bridge between the pain and the fear and the beauty. Yeah. Um, so you've got those two trees that are a little bit thorny, a little bit funky, um, and they've got the marriage of that with the beauty of the uh, dollar mixture stream. I can't wait to see that come to life, um, definitely. So, uh, And the fact that um, we've thought about how not everybody will be able to access the garden. So the things like the sound, being able to listen to the sounds and the VR aspect of it are, are hugely exciting. But no, I can't wait to see, um, see it in true life. Well, Normie, I mean, it's going to be fantastic. And Ruth, just a huge thank you from me and the team for, for joining us today. Um, and we'll see you at Chelsea. I cannot wait. Thank you so much. Have a nice day. Bye. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Gardens for Good Causes podcast, brought to you by Project Giving Back a registered charity in England and Wales. If you don't already, please subscribe and rate our podcast. It helps us reach more people and share more inspiring stories. You can also find us on our website, www.givingback.org.uk or join our Instagram community by following project.giving.back. We'll see you there.